Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. What about now? My fault. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, I'm, I'm kicking off just a little brief series on the pursuit of promise uh, today. And uh, I, was, I was thinking through this. This is one of those Swiss cheese messages. There are a lot of holes that God has to fill in. <laughs> because there are so many thoughts that run through my mind when I think about promises. And uh, many people uh, question, church people, you know, the promises of God are, for they, are they for today and how do we apply those, and how, do, how can we stand on those promises? Um, there was a conversation. I actually was sitting in the church once and uh, listening, and, and I was just a guest. Nobody knew I was there at the time that knew me or anything. And the pastor started talking about uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the promises I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, to me, that, that's a promise, uh, it wasn't just for the people of that day. It, it represented the character and nature of God throughout all time. But this particular passage of Scripture, according to this pastor, did not apply to us today. And as I sat there, it really it concerned me. It discouraged me as I looked at the people around me thinking, well, what, what does the Bible say to us today? Because if that scripture cannot be applied today, then how do I know what scripture verses can be applied? To me, any scripture that represents the character and nature of God and how he operates and how he functions is timeless. But many people are imprisoned and enslaved by one word or one thought or one sermon, one opinion, one perspective that you've heard somebody else talk about and it has imprisoned your hope, incarcerated the promise, if you will, and, and now you're living life just kind of as it comes. But we get to, if you will, give some direction to the life that we all live. Uh, where you are today it did not happen by happenstance. It happened by choices and decisions that you and I have made. So we do have a role and a responsibility when it comes to uh, living a life of promise. Uh, many people and many church people don't believe that, that what you say will affect what you do and what you possess. I grew up in a church that never talked about my role and responsibility in relationship to God's promises. So God said, the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. That's a promise of God. 
So that wasn't just for Old Testament times. That's for all times that the willing and the obedient shall lead to good of the land. So if I'm willing and I'm obedient, I can come before God and say, God, here is your promise. And how do I possess that? He said, well, be willing and be obedient. Well, <clears throat> some people would say, I've been willing and oh, I'm obedient, but I've, I've never seen the promise. Well, you and I, there's one thing that we can't do is we don't get to set the time that the promise is fulfilled. So many people give up and, and give in to what's not happening because they just get tired in their faith. But if you look throughout history <clears throat> from the time David was anointed king to the time he became king, <clears throat> there were many years in there that David could have said, you know, you told me, anointed me king, but I'm still not king. But he didn't give in. He didn't forget the promise. He didn't forget that moment, that prophetic word was spoken over him. He continued to live his life in moving forward to, toward the pursuit, or maybe not even the pursuit, but in a willingness and obedience fashion where he would eventually become king. Well, God's promises, all of his promises are yes and amen. Uh, in Christ. And so <clears throat> the challenge is maintaining <clears throat> a right mindset, <clears throat> a right mindset to possess the promises of God. And so <clears throat> perseverance is a key to that. Uh, you know, uh, persevering through difficult times and holding on to God during those times instead of getting upset and saying, God, why? Which is what most normal human beings, all of us falling, fallen nature, God, why not now? Why am I where I'm at? Instead of saying, God, what do you want me do, to do in route to the promise? What do you want me to do? Not why is all this happening to me, but what do you want me to do while it's happening to me? And it's so very important that we not lose faith. Now, when I talk about this, I'm going to connect this all in a moment to when Israel was in Egypt, these are the people of God under the authority of a dictator called Pharaoh. And it would have been very easy for them to maintain a slavery mentality. And we talk a lot about slavery physically and how wrong it is and it's horribly wrong. Uh, the way anybody, anybody's been enslaved, you know, tra child trafficking is an all-time high, human trafficking, that's slavery, a modern-day slavery. And, and as much as we would all say that's horribly wrong, and it is, let me tell you what's equally horribly wrong is being enslaved by your thoughts. That you're thinking, I deserve this, or I'm never going to get out of it. This is just how I was raised. Nothing good ever happens to our family. And the list goes on. And you have been enslaved by thoughts that might have come to you through a, a, your lineage, through a school teacher, through a coach, through any number of people or any number of circumstances. And you've embraced, or not embraced, but accepted the fact that you are enslaved and it's never going to change. This is just my lot in life. And many people live in that place. But it's all because 
you are in mentally enslaved, mentally incarcerated by wrong thoughts, bad theology, horrible sermons of people that said, you know, we just don't have a say in life. Uh, you know, Calvinism preaches like there was a, a story one time, and I'll try to do it justice, but a Calvinist one day was walking and opened a door and fell down the stairs, and when he got to the bottom, as much pain as he was in, he said, thank God that's over. In other words, that was supposed to happen, it was going to happen, and I'm just thankful it's happened and I'm still alive. Instead of saying, you know, that was really dumb, I had a choice, and I chose not to be careful enough, and as a result, I fell down the stairs. God does not order your punishment. God does not ordain your punishment. The consequences of sin are real. We all face those consequences. We've all made bad decisions. But God did not tempt you to make that decision. God didn't tempt you into that. And so we are often enslaved by the fact that we, we put things off on God. And matter of fact, we call things acts of God if they're bad, but we don't ever call acts of God good. The, the media will always tell you, well, that was an act of God because it was a horror. Something happened, something terrible happened. But when a miracle happens, why don't we say something good happens? That's an act of God. Because our mindset is so influenced by negativity and in and, and a slanted media, and uh, in some ways, and I'm going to say this carefully, but I really don't care, because I'm just so frustrated with where we are as a society that when the government started, our government started passing out money and just throwing it all over the place, everybody thought that was a really good idea at the time. But what we don't realize was the government was creating slavery in America saying you have to depend on us. And I say, no, we depend on God. I don't care what you do. I care what God does. And I don't need your money. I don't want your money because what you want to do is control me in the future. And everybody thought, this is a great idea. The government's passing out money. I'm like, no, it's not a great idea. The whole idea was to enslave American people. You can get mad at me all you want, and I don't really care because what happens is we're being seduced the same way Pharaoh, and you say, how does this fit? Well, think about it. Israel is in captivity. They're, they're really not bound up. They're working every day. They had good jobs. They were brick makers, and uh, they, they, they had three good meals. They had a place to sleep, but every day they knew they had to get up and make bricks. And, and so Moses comes and tries to free them and say, let my people go that they may come and worship God. And, and that made Pharaoh mad. So now rather than just being brick makers, they had to be straw gatherers. Now they had to go gather the materials they needed to make the bricks. And they got mad at Moses because now Pharaoh's pushing this on them and, and they're blaming Moses for trying to liberate them. And, and so what's happened is I'm trying to liberate you to help you understand you don't need to go gather straw. You don't need the government to provide for you. You need to realize God is Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. And you don't have to make bricks and get beat up just because you get three meals. Some of you have been in a job, and it's no different. You hate your job. But you get up every day, Monday through Friday, you go to work, and, and you make bricks, and you come home, and you hate it. So what am I trying to say? I'm not trying to get you to quit your job. I'm just trying to help you understand that if you hate it, you got two choices. You either change the way you think about it and keep working there, 
Or you say, you know, God, you probably have something better for me, and I'm tired of gathering straw and making brick, and I'm going to go do something I love to do. Instead, most people live 30, 30, 40 years working at the same job. They retire, they're happy for a year, and they die. Am I right? I'm just telling you. It's like now all of a sudden we don't, want to know, we don't know how to live free. We were abused, if you will, or made to work at a place we didn't like. And then finally we retire and we're free and we die. That's how come I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to irritate the devil. Why? Because I do something I like. This is not a job. This is what, I, I love what I do. I can't imagine. I tried to think about doing something else. And, and, and there's just nothing out there that lights the fire in me like this. Now, I know that I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. I loved the job I had before this. I, 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 was, I climbed poles for Southwestern Bell. I had views that very few people would have. And, and uh, I enjoyed it, but, but, you know, it wasn't, I didn't get up every day like I do with this and go, I love helping people. I love communicating the gospel. I love good news. I get to counter what's going on on CNBC, CNBC and CNN and Fox. I get to counter all the trash. I get to, you get to come here, and some of y'all are so connected to those networks, you listen to them like they're God, but you can have a hard time listening to good news because you're so accustomed to the bad news. And you believe the bad news more than you believe the good news. I'm just trying to get you to believe the good news. When something bad happens, don't talk about how bad it was. Say, you know what? I learned something in that, that situation. Never go around that idiot again. There, you can always learn things. I, I don't do well with negative people. If I get around negative people for very long, I'm checking out. I'm not checking in. I don't do negative. And some people get mad at me because I don't do negative. Well, I just wanted to vent. Well, go find another place to cast all that on somebody else. You know, there's always, you can find something good in everything. Instead, we're so prone to look at the negative and, and, and talk about the negative and address everything that's negative. I want you this week to find things positive. You haven't said one good thing to your spouse or your friend. You haven't complimented them. You know why you haven't? Because you think they're supposed to be doing what they're doing, so they're not worthy of a compliment. When's the last time you think whichever one of y'all cook? When's the last time you said, thank you for that meal? I know it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's the best one I've ever had. You say, well, this is stupid and simple. It's really not. What I have determined and am determining in my life and learning is when you get grateful, when, you've, when you have this attitude, what it says is, I'm liberated, I'm free. I'm no longer under the bondage of thinking about saying something that's going to make me vulnerable to somebody else because it makes, it's going to make me look weak. But Paul said, when, when I'm weak, I'm strong. So you need to become weak so that the strength of God can work in you. And I was one of those people, I thought, man, if, I get, if I'm too nice and complimentary to somebody, they're going to think I'm a sissy and they're going to take advantage of me. That's typically what we think. I don't want to be taken advantage of, so I don't want to be too vulnerable. God's got you, man. When you get vulnerable, God's got you. And I'm telling you, you may not make a moment. In that moment, you may not think you're making a difference, but you are making a difference. 
just, uh, I've told this story a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't, tell it, I, I didn't hear it until this morning, but we have a person in the church here that was, was a, a former uh, dancer, and it were mosaic, so I'll just say it, former stripper. If I was in a high church, I couldn't say that, but, but the thing was, we would take teddy bears, we'd have women that would go into the strip clubs, take teddy bears, and she just told me today, she said, I, that teddy bear changed my life. I was hoping she said something like the women who gave it to me really touched me. No, it was a teddy bear. Now, obviously, it was connected to someone who cared. But what I'm saying is it brought freedom to her just letting, just letting her know we're not endorsing what you're doing, but we're loving who you are. See, to, to stand on the promises of God requires a shift in how we think, how we communicate. How we make ourselves vulnerable. Intimacy doesn't happen, happen without vulnerability. It just doesn't. You're never going to have intimate conversation with somebody unless you're willing to be self-deprecating. You're going to go, I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to be honest about who I am and who I'm not. And so we have, we have Israel in bondage in Egypt. And Moses finds himself facing the most powerful man of that day. And so I'm just going to label this, and maybe you'll remember it this way. Ask yourself the question today, who or what is your Pharaoh? What is the most powerful influence? What is the thing you're most afraid of in your life? Why are you living the way you're living? Why are you doing what you're doing? What keeps you from doing what you want to do? A couple of weeks ago on my Wednesday night call, I, I, I made this, this observation. I said, when's the last time you asked yourself a question about you? Ask yourself some questions. Why do I do what I do? Why do I think the way I think? What is influencing my life? Who is influencing my life? These are all questions that we need to ask. And we typically ask people questions, other people questions, and we are soliciting the answer that we want, and many people know that. So if you have a good friend and you ask them a question, if they thought what you did last week was stupid, they like you. They're going to say, absolutely not. You deserve to hit him in the mouth. I mean, after all, and, and they will say the wrong things to you, and they will validate what you did instead of telling you what you need to hear to become the person that you need to become to possess the promise that God has for you. You don't get the promises outside of obedience. You, you don't. You, we, none of us get the promises of God outside of our obedience to God. And so Moses finds himself going into Egypt, and here's Pharaoh, and he's saying, let my people go that they might go worship our God. He had to face Pharaoh. You have to face your Pharaoh. I'm a real believer in mental health and mental illness. I understand both sides of it. And when I, when I look back at some of the things I've done in life and choices I've made, I realize I had to be mentally ill to make some of those choices. Now, you probably won't ever hear a pastor tell you he was mentally ill. I'm telling you, I was mentally ill. That'll make all the mental illness people stand up and shout hallelujah. This is a church for me. Because let me tell you something, all of you have had the mind flu. 
That's what I'll call it, the mind flu, where you didn't feel well, you weren't thinking well, you, you didn't have the energy you needed to do the right thing. And you can turn that around by putting yourself in a position to ask yourself the questions that you need to ask yourself before you make the decisions that you need to make. Why am I doing this? And then find somebody who will tell you the truth. Bible says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. You see, the devil knows he can't steal your salvation. And when I preach this, there would be churches that would disagree with me. But here's the deal. I am the one that chooses God. He's already chosen me, and he's not changing his mind. So the only way that I can walk away, if you will, not lose, but walk away from my salvation is to deny God. And then that's questionable even there, but because God says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I, the, the, we, we get lost in this idea that, that somehow every decision we make that we're going to lose God. God is not losable. <laughs> now, some of the blessings of God, the promises of God, are losable to me by the decisions I make. I was listening to a story the other day, and there was a man who had a serious problem. He was getting arthritis. His hands got so bad, they were unusable. And he couldn't drive anymore. He, his hands were all wrinkled up. They were, had no strength in them. And he heard a sermon talking about forgiveness. And he realized in that moment, he had had bitterness and unforgiveness toward an individual. True story. And... That day, he decided he had the right information. He was enslaved. He was enslaved by this individual that occupied every thought every day. He was so bitter and so unforgiving and so angry. But on that particular day, something resonated with him. And he said, today, I forgive. And from that moment on, doctors were amazed. His hands began to open up. And all the things that he couldn't do, all of a sudden he could do. And see, some of you even now go, oh, it's a great story, but it ain't true. It's a true story. You see, the Bible talks about promises. He said, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. And some of the effects of unforgiveness are stress, high blood pressure. I mean, all kinds of things contribute to our physical health or our lack of physical health. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so what I would say is this. Is your Pharaoh unforgiveness? Is your Pharaoh bitterness? Is your Pharaoh hatred? Is your Pharaoh angry? What is your Pharaoh? What is it that's keeping you from experiencing all that God has for you? Is it doubt? Is it unbelief? I mean, you say, well, those are simple things. No, they're really not simple. Because the Bible talks a lot about doubt and unbelief. And people who don't believe, it'd be like saying, you know, I mean, just on an earthly level, if I told one of my children I was going to do something, I would hope they believed me. Matter of fact, it would break my heart if one of them said, well, I know that's what you said, but you're not going to do it. That's what we do to God all the time. God, I know that you said this, but... You know, does that really happen? Do miracles really happen today? 
And many religions say, well, you know, that was an age of miracles. Let me tell you all something. We've never served an age of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. There's not a dispensation, and there are dispensationalists who say, well, that was for this dispensation. Listen, God is not bound by a dispensation. God is not bound by a decade. God is not bound by a millennium. God is not bound by anything but what we believe and what we declare. Now, he's not going to do something for me if I look and say, God, there's no way you're going to do that. Well, guess what? I've just spoke into existence the very thing that I said. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now, obviously, everybody's going to die. You can't just keep confessing, I'm going to live to 200. Quite frankly, people say, how long do you want to live? Only as long as I can be fulfilled. I don't have a year. Matter of fact, I think living to be 90 might be miserable. My wife hates it when I say that. I say, I, look, I live every day, one day at a time to serve the Lord. And then when I do die and I go to heaven, I'm going to be really mad that I didn't die at 40. Now, I know that freaks some of you all out. It's like, Mike, how could you say that? Well, look, every day I have is a gift from heaven. I get to choose how I use that gift every day. I can use it and be happy and joyful, and, and I, can, I can just be upbeat. And I can make other people feel comfortable because I'm not angry. You know, when you get angry at somebody and, and you're dealing with somebody and, and you're having like, recently we had to have some construction done and, and it wasn't going well. And their tendency is to get frustrated and really tell them how stupid they are. But guess what? The next time you call, they see your number pops up. They're not going to answer because they don't want to have to deal with your attitude. But if you're nice when you call them and you've had to call them 13 times and you know you should have only had to call once, maybe you're right, but you're wrong if you respond inappropriately. And, and every time you call and you're nice, they're going to take your call. Amen. I, trust me, I've done this both ways. I wish I knew in my 30s what I know now that I'm older. Ha ha. Instead, now, I don't even get mad. I, I just don't. And every now and then, Susan and I will be going through stuff. She's type A like me. And every now and then, we have to watch out for each other because if one of us is not having a good day, we'll cut you. It's, I'm not proud of that, but we can potentially let you know we have a little wit about us and a true gift of demonic sarcasm. And then, you know, the flesh feels good in a minute, man. It just feels really good. And yeah, I got him. And God goes, really? You're enslaved? That is your Pharaoh. That is your Pharaoh. You see, everybody has a Pharaoh, and you've got to address your Pharaoh, or he ain't ever going to let you go. See, when Moses addressed him, and I, I'll get to this now. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses, Exodus 12. This is really a, a great thought if you think about it. In, in the middle of the night, Pharaoh couldn't even go to sleep. Moses confronted Pharaoh, not in an evil way. He just said, let my people go so we can worship God. He didn't call him bad names. He didn't try to impeach him. And it says... He summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. 
and also bless me. You talk about a shift. This is a guy that didn't even believe in God. Now he's saying, would you bless me, knowing Moses is connected to God. So all of a sudden, a freedom mentality comes into Egypt that is foreign to Egypt. And, and Pharaoh's about to lose. Matter of fact, he was so concerned because the Israelite population was growing so strong and they were growing so, they were multiplying that he got concerned that they could overtake Egypt. And he says, the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. This is Pharaoh. Now he's afraid of Israel. They were enslaved. They were fearful to him. But it took one voice in the man Moses who stuttered. He wasn't eloquent in speech. There was nothing special about him. But God says, I need one voice to address Pharaoh who is enslaving all of my people. Will one person simply stand up and say, enough is enough. We're going to worship the Lord. Now, I know we don't have, we have an older congregation, but listen to me. This is the challenge in our country today. Is parents are no longer in charge of their home. They're listening to their children and their children, I don't want to go to church, so we don't go to church. Get up, we're going to church whether you like it or not. Now, when you're 18 years old, you can go to hell if you want to, but you're not going to hell under my watch. Listen, you think you're being mean. I'm not, I'm not even saying be mean. I'm going to the house of God. Here's what we're going to do. You speak up. You can change everything with your voice and your commitment to God. I'm amazed at the, the, the number of American people who have no respect for the house of God any longer. I didn't say they had no respect for God. They have no respect for the house of God. And, and so there's the Pharaoh of, well, I want to play. There's the Pharaoh of, well, I don't need to. There's the Pharaoh. you got all these Pharaohs removing you from a place where your soul gets loaded every Sunday. Some of y'all, it's like a gun's a gun. A clip's a clip. But that gun doesn't function without bullets. You can be a Christian. You can have a clip from heaven in your soul. But every time you hear a sermon, your soul is getting loaded to be able to handle what you're going to face. So don't tell me I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You're right. But if you don't go to church, you're going to get the snot beat out of you. You need to be in fellowship. You need to walk with the wise. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as you see the day drawing near. And some of you are watching. we got people watching from all over the world. You need to go to a church in your community, in your city. You're enslaved by a Pharaoh of convenience, a Pharaoh of comfort, a Pharaoh of, of, of lies. I don't need this. I don't need that. Listen. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. If we, we're called to do more than be attenders. We're called to be players. The greatest fulfillment in life is when we engage in serving other people. And every Pharaoh in our world today wants to prevent us from accessing the promises of God. Verse 
friend of mine wrote this. He's a pretty sharp dude. I read his stuff as much as I can. He said, it is a mysterious moment when with minimum movement, a miraculous momentum is set in motion. It's always something little that tips the scales. Just one little adjustment, one more difficult decision, one more act of obedience, one more prayer shakes the heavens and impacts your destiny in a huge way. One little thing. One little thing. You see, God is in the details. He's in the little things. Just doing one little thing can make a difference, a huge difference in your life. One little thing. I'm telling you, I'm learning this situation that I've never really been big. You know, the, the five love languages, words of affirmation. Uh, and, and, and I've just never been a words of affirmation guy. I'm an acts of service guy. I'm a quality time guy. But what I've realized is God didn't want us to identify one of those languages. He wants us to speak all of those languages. And so I have intentionally, in my life, become a words of affirmation guy. I always thought it was sissified. My dad never thanked me once for mowing the lawn. And I, I killed it, man. I mean, I mowed an acre with a, a lawn boy with about a 19-inch cut. That means you had to make a lot of passes. Never came, and it wasn't that he wasn't a good dad, it wasn't that, but you know what I've learned is, is that if somebody does a good job at something, even if it's the job they're supposed to be doing, there's nothing wrong with you saying, you did a really good job. Thank you. That was a really good meal. Thank you. Because we're enslaved by a Pharaoh of fear that if I'm too nice, I'll be taken advantage of. No, you won't. God's got you. If somebody's a jerk back to you, don't stop being good. Don't stop being kind. Don't stop saying things. They may never say them back to you. That's not why you're doing it. It's always the person who forgives that gets healed. It's not the person who is asking, but the person who gives that forgiveness. If somebody doesn't even want to accept it and they're still mean, whatever. Forgiveness heals you. You say, well, they don't deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve slavery. You don't deserve that Pharaoh in your life. Because let me tell you, you will keep making bricks and gathering your own straw until you forgive. So Bible say the greatest is love. And that love is not always easy. But love will change everything. Now, with that said, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get up one day, and on that particular day, you just decided, I'm going to go get some straw and make some bricks. <laughs> you don't have to, but you're so used to it. You know, can you imagine Israel going, but we're really good at this. We have become experts at making bricks. Well, just because you become an expert at br making bricks does not mean it's the right place for you. I was good at some things. I was good at being a phone guy. But that didn't mean I was in the right place just because I was good. 
Sometimes God wants to make you good in other places, or you find that you're already good in other places. And sometimes we just get so caught up in routine. We get caught up in routines. Every now and then, I change my routines by design. And every now and then, Susan go, why are you doing that? Because I so want to make sure that I'm not doing the same things over and over just because I'm good at it. I'm accustomed to it. It's what I'm familiar with. Sometimes you need to change the familiar, the, the familiar things in your life. Because the old saying is familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes we get contemptible because we're familiar. I mean, some of y'all sit in the same seats every week. They've got your imprints. And sometimes I like it because I know who to preach to. But sometimes I go, you know, it'd just be really cool if you'd move. Like some of y'all afraid to sit on the front row because I'm going to use you. I promise I won't embarrass you. I mean, I might accidentally. But it's always amazing. You, you, you know, any concert, if you go to a concert, the front row and the front sections are always a lot more expensive than the nosebleed. If people could develop a concert mentality in church, the back row would be empty. But no, no, I'm going to see Tim McGraw. I got front row. I paid $1,000 for that ticket. I'm going to church and it's free and I'm sitting on the back. I think we ought to start charging for seats and making you guys think it's really impressive to get a front row seat. And then you got people who go to a concert like that. They'll go crazy, jump up and down, but they come to church and go, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm not that kind of person. You lie like a rug. I saw you Saturday night hopping up and down and going crazy all over the place. You come to the house of God and say, I'm not that kind of person. My Christianity's private. Yeah, until he comes back, it ain't going to be private no more. See, everybody has a Pharaoh, and you need to face your Pharaoh. You need to find out this week. I, I, I like giving it a name every now because you won't forget it when I say, and, and you need to go home if, you're, if you're, your, your spouse or whatever get crazy. Go, eh, eh, eh. What's your Pharaoh? Go home, put Pharaoh on your refrigerator. Pharaoh is no longer going to rule in this house. Pharaoh is not in charge. God's in charge to the point where he'll wake up and say, y'all got to get out of here. I can't, I, I can't deal with your Israelites anymore. All Moses did said, let us go and worship God. And then Pharaoh came after him. And let me tell you, the minute you make that stand, it ain't over. Israel leaves. Not only did they leave, they took silver and gold and everything. And Pharaoh wakes up one day and goes, go get them. What did we do? When I got born again, I cut everybody in my past off. Because I knew Pharaoh was going to come after me again. So I eliminated the pathway that Pharaoh was going to come after me. And it wasn't that I didn't love the people I did bad things with. I loved them. They were friends. And it wasn't their fault. It was my fault that I was living the way I was living. But I knew their influence would impact my future decisions. So Pharaoh will come after you. When you get born again, the things that you did in the past, they will come after you in the future. So you have to continue to address and say, do I want to be enslaved by those things anymore? And you know what? Don't you blame anybody else for where you are. 
Don't you blame your mama. Don't you blame your daddy. Don't you blame. And trust me, I know some of you have been hurt, abused, and that was wrong. But you know what? The greatest way to get back at them is to show them they can't control you. They can't dictate to you. They can't do those things anymore. You are a free person. You no longer make decisions based on what they're going to think about you or your decisions. You make decisions based on the promises of God that the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by God. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. I'm the apple of his eye. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, they'll flee in seven. I'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. These are the things you have to declare. Because let me tell you, you will always have a past. It never goes away, but it never has to control you again. See, some people are running from their past. You don't have PF flyers. When I was a kid, when I got a new pair of tennis shoes, I swore I cut two seconds off my 100-yard dash. Just, they were new. They looked great. They promised me I could run faster. You cannot run from your past. So what do you do? You face it and look and say, you are my past, but you are not my future. That is not me anymore, and I'm going to face you. I'm not going to run from you. There you go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, taking care of the Pharaohs in our lives. Just as you did in the days of Moses, you will do in our days. You will take care of the Pharaohs if we will face the Pharaohs. We won't run from the Pharaohs. We won't act like the Pharaohs aren't there. But God, we will face the Pharaohs in our lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us all to pray this prayer together. And those of you watching online, pray this with me. It's going to be life-changing for you. Those of you who have not accepted Christ, accept Him right now. Address the Pharaoh of sin in your life that has controlled you your entire life. You've surrendered to it. You have become accustomed to it. You have served the sin because it's what you're familiar with. You don't want to, but you've never known how to get out of it. The devil's convinced you you've done too much. Let me just say this. You cannot out-sin the cross. The cross is always going to overshadow your sin. If you will submit to it and sit in the shadow of it, it will take care of everything you've done in the past. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare, I am saved. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer watching online, please text the word SAVED from wherever you are right now to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to that number and walk you through it right there. The text will respond to you. So do it right now. And if you're in-house, you can text the word SAVED. But we have a prayer team to the left of the stage, my left, your right. After the service, please go to one of them and say, today I gave my life to Jesus. Pray for me. You say, well, you know, I don't need prayer. Oh, I do. So would you go over there on my behalf and say, would you pray for Pastor? He really needs it. Um, but, but don't be afraid to, to make it known, today I gave my life to Jesus. All right? 
Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.